I, um, <clears throat> I think for most of us it's clear that uh, the, the world as we've known it is, uh, looks like it's unraveling in a, in a faster measure, in a more insane kind of uh, inclination from the spirits of darkness and the political uh, individuals that seem to have a stronghold. So these are more treacherous times. And I was just saying upstairs, we can't, uh, you know, uh, manufacture the kind of intensity to call on our God to give us the kind of rooting and grounding because you're basically in a spiritual vice whether you know it or not. So as you've known things and as you've seen them, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be, the road ahead is not going to be like anything you have seen. And uh, we, it isn't now. It isn't right now out there. And, and uh, we're, it doesn't mean we panic, but we do ask God for some, some specifics. It would be good to have uh, what he wants because God's major desire is that you would know him. You know, he knows you thoroughly. You're getting up, you're sitting down, all of it. And he's never going to leave you. And I, I'll just say it again. If you could see your Lord as a, uh, a, a nurturing father dealing with every level of uh, growth from the little swaddlers, the little babies where they can hardly hold their heads up, uh, to the uh, you know, ancient of days like, like me and others, that you would, you would understand that there are uh, levels of growth and awareness. And I was just upstairs and I, I, I felt like, you know, we're just a small portion of the multitudes of godly people people who have some indication of care. And there are people behind the bamboo curtain, multiples have already shed their blood. I mean, millions were absolutely destroyed just for coming against the, uh, the whole communist thing. And I think I've said this a few times. But America has basically forgotten God. <coughs> Uh, and the idea of, uh, you know, God bless America. I mean, that is, there's so much dust and trash and graffiti surrounding the greatness of Purple Mountain's majesty and all of that. That's gone. And, and I'm, not, I'm not negative in this because, dear ones, what is ahead of us is so much greater, so much greater than anything of the whole collected time on earth, which we don't know a whole bunch about. We've only lived a small parenthesis. But your God will take care of you. But that care may be a stronger uh, fathering than we've ever dreamed would come, so that we, he would, you would be proven. You're gonna be proven that you love him or you love yourself. 
Jesus talked about it, members of our own family betraying us and all kinds of things that are ahead. We haven't seen any of that to the degree, but many of your eyes will see it. And so as we go before the Lord, if we just uh, ask him, I can't be intense and, and be sustained to the living God without him. Because every day I have to wake up and here I am again, who I've been. And, but God can do a deeper work if we would ask him for it. So it's good to be back. I, uh, it was a very good uh, time and I appreciated those who prayed and, and uh, uh, looking at the people everywhere, everywhere we go, there's levels of growth and difficulty. So God help us. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm personally looking forward to how God's going to pull this off. Because the Bible's pretty clear. He's got it all under his feet. Anytime you feel a slip and a slide, that's the deal. There's nothing out there that isn't under his scrutiny and absolute control. If you get a little nervous every once in a while, you know, 10 million angels around the throne, angels without numbers, there's no question. There's more of us than there are of them. But we're still going to have to go through the test. So God help us. Thank you, Lord. Touch every one of us tonight. Uh, can you help us uh, not lean on some uh, milquetoast mentality that sees the way forward as a, a taffy pull or some hopscotch. Great God, there'll be bleeding, there'll be death and darkness. And there already has been over the centuries. Give us the get up to call and to call and to keep calling that we might be planted deeper than we've ever known for Jesus' sake. Amen. I didn't think I was speaking tonight, but Brother Bill said I was, so you're going to get what's hot off the press. <clears throat> and given the topic, I, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I was in trouble given my topic right off the start. <clears throat> I might be shorter than usual, so listen carefully tonight. This, this is a simple theme, and the theme is I'm not my own. I'm his. Yeah, so when Brother Bill said, you're up tonight, and I said no, then I realized there was a problem. I don't know who put this on my notes, but <clears throat> that's the trouble with uh, the Lord is that he's pretty thorough. Turn to John 10. I really have a very simple theme that I want to share with you tonight, and that is that uh, we're in trouble if we can't bring ourselves to lay down our lives. We're in big trouble. And there's a lot of help if, if we do. They're the only help. <clears throat> and finally, there is absolutely no way to do so without the help of the Lord. <clears throat> 
I've been hearing about laying down my life since I was born, I think, since I can understand English. So I should be a professional if there is any hope for somebody. And it's a problem. Yeah. John 10, 15, you know this, but it says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Thank you, Lord, for that. We heard that tonight. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This is... This really is uh, the commandment that we have. Um, And if you haven't noticed, every influence, every thought, every education, every force, every advertisement of the world comes smack against anything about laying down your own life. Everything of this world is from the very beginning teaching you how to Be who you want to be and do what you want to do. You can make it big. The Beach Boys sang that a long time ago. You can make it big. See your name on the bright lights. I mean, everything of the world is is geared towards fortifying you to find a way to, first of all, find out who you want to be, which is a real problem. I think that's from But then secondly, how to get there. And... Taking everything to yourself to become better. I mean, that is, that is the edu- education of the world. And everything of the kingdom of God is to bring us to a, a place where we acknowledge that we have absolutely no idea where to take ourselves. And that we must fall wholly upon the Lord. It is, it is, it is 100% opposite. And as Brother Bill was saying, I, I recently... Uh, watched a thing by uh, Carson that was just uh, speaking about the state, state of America, if, if you could call it that. And he said, you know, there's um, really most men, when called upon, ladies, will do heroic things uh, in, in a crisis. That, you know, the proverbial run into, run into the burning building. When called upon, most will... Most will respond to do the heroic thing. Most will um, to do that. But he said to find men right now that are able to, in the face of everything that is coming, speak the truth. He said that is rare. Those men are my heroes. He said it is is a rare man right now that within the framework of his elite partners, of his company, of his friends, of his companions, to actually stand up and speak against everything that is just flooding through. To actually risk your life to speak the truth. There are very few doing that. I mean, it is, you know, you're going to get lynched. I mean, you know, maybe not physically, maybe physically, but I mean, it's becoming more physically, actually. But to speak the truth is almost uh, a banned activity to speak against things that have just been accepted as outright crazy. They're being they're being not only, you know, do they need to be acquiesced to, but you have to support them. It's it's. We're living in a world that literally is upside down. If it, if it you know, wasn't obvious before, it is now. Um, yeah, exactly. He was talking about the impossibility of, 
uh, bucking the herd. He said there's just extreme pressure to give in to the herd. To just, he said he, find, he has friends of his own that he has, that he sees saying things that he knows they don't believe because they can't bring themselves to speak what they believe. They're just, they're buckling under the force of what's coming down. Um, and, you know, we're not all directly in those circles, but it's around us. And I have just been amazed at the force. This is simply what is on the earth today. It's just, that is the prince of the power of the earth. It's, it's, it's been resident, but God is almost turning up the rocks to a, a place of such obvious, you know, extreme that, it, that it's a wonder that it can continue much further. But what really is uh, <clears throat> seemingly almost impossibly elusive is a people that really will choose to offer to lay down their life. That is, that is such an incredible thought to think about. Um, you know, and it's not as though the Lord hasn't taken us to uh, reveal to us um, where we take ourselves. You know, when you look at, at the garden, the, the very beginning example that we have, it wasn't like the Lord needed the garden and needed the tree and the apple to reveal to himself that mankind would kind of, you know, take its own, on its own, would take its own route. It was the whole purpose of that. His intention from the beginning was to actually reveal to man, show to us what the result, what the fruit is of taking our own way. That's what the Lord wants is a people that realize the fruit of me taking my own life, it is never good, it is never good fruit. And that is, that is not... Uh, a readily understood concept when you think about success in the world as we know it. Everything is, is couched in, in betterment and empowerment and uh, aggrandizing in every possible way to, you know, even help others along the way. But it is, it is an embetterment of who you are as a person where the Lord is looking to strip that. And, um, you know, when you look at the end of those things, it is not, uh, um, it is not a, a pretty sight. Uh, turn to Romans 12. This is, again, a passage that we know well, but I just want to focus on one part here in the beginning of, of Romans 12. There has to come a recognition. Again, this is very simple. A recognition with those that, that the Lord has called uh, of a people that really do understand that we are not our own. Because when you function out of that, uh, you know, on the job site, everybody knows who is in charge of them. And, you know, everybody wants to keep their job. There is just, you know, we have a little joke uh, about some of our guys that say things to, to some of, uh, you know, the people beside them or below them, you know, it, but would never say that to us, right? You know, there, it just, there's an understanding of, of, you know, the authority chain and, and what you need to say and what you need to do. You know, people are aware of who's in charge, right? Kids, kids become aware of, what boundaries they have very quickly. Who's in charge? I will do what I need to do to be in charge. You know, God is looking for a, a willingness. A, uh, you know, he's looking for a people that are, are willingly subjecting themselves, given the opportunity to choose. This is what the Lord is all about. He's looking for a people that recognize where we might take ourselves and a willingness to choose. And really, um, I think we have to come to understand the mercy of the Lord to show us how miserable... We would be left to ourselves. Because if you consider the fact that the Lord wasn't at work in your life. This is, this is what we have had our eyes open to see. We, we have been blessed. Okay, this is a little bit of. We have been blessed with the mercy to see the misery of our own life. I'd like to say it like that. 
because the Lord hasn't opened the eyes of the entire world. It's, it says there's, you know, he doesn't want anybody to pass away. But when you talk to some people and there's a total lack of understanding, you almost get a pity for what um, for the lack of understanding that they have. You know, there's a lot of people having a great time in business, making it big, doing, you know, doing great things, um, really, really working hard, being successful. You know, the Lord hasn't opened their eyes, obviously, to the misery of their own life. Right. It's it's they're, they're having a good time. The Lord has opened our eyes to that. There is a great and weighty responsibility to those who He's opened the, our eyes to see. Um, and and really, um, this is a, I, I really think this is what is on our plate, young and old. Maybe maybe more young than, than old because the older have seen a little bit more of that misery. But to look at the opportunity of the world and to look at the opportunity of the calling of God in your life, it simply comes down to concluding. Do I belong to God or, or am I in charge of myself? This is a very simple matter because until you do, there is going to be an endless struggle and an endless wandering, an endless, the grass is greener. It's just, it's, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had celebrating the party the world has to offer. I would never get up here and tell you that that wasn't the case. There, there is. The end of the matter is a different story. But there, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of amazing things happening. Um, but the Lord has, has in his mercy chosen for this people called aware of this. You have to understand that if you're here aware of this, aware of this truth, God has his hand on your life for a very specific reason. There's not a happenstance of a birth, you know, there's a very specific reason. And um, it just is incredible to consider the weight of that choice, to consider the fact that uh, as Brother Bill said, there are so many others out there. There's 7,000 out there, wherever the Lord has them, called in their place, that are also choosing to submit themselves to the calling of God in their life. And, and I don't even know who I was talking about this today, but um, maybe it was Kurt Dufendock. It's, it's, you know, when you, when you bump into someone that you may not have met, and you immediately have a, a, uh, just a, a witness to the fact that the Lord is at work in your life. Like, how do you know? Your spirit witnesses to what's going on in your life. That happens on both sides. You know, there is the spirit of darkness recognizes who is open to certain things and who can party in certain ways. And, you know, without anything being said, that that is there. But it, but for us, we have the ability to recognize. And I was thinking, you know, there's um, if you've taken any time to console yourself, maybe with your own thoughts, maybe uh, maybe with your own plans, you know, give it enough time to just you know, there's this, you know, the, the saying being left to your own thoughts. I was thinking about that. Any time that I've taken myself and just taken time with my own thoughts, you know, the end of that matter is not a, it is not a good ending. You know, what, what is the end of just being left to my own thoughts? That's, that is true misery. Uh, you know, anxiety maybe, you know, fear, you know, just... You know, the enemy works at night when you're just there and your mind's just kind of running and it gets out of balance, right? And you start thinking, have you ever noticed that all the things, all the impossibilities of the job or what needs to come just start stacking up at two in the morning? You know, it's like you, you got to get up and go get to work right now because things are out of control, right? I mean, the impossibility of what happens is like, you know, you're there and it just it just goes on. And, you know, the harder you try to, to not think about things, the more they come. It's like. The enemy takes advantages of certain, you know, the Lord wants us to understand where he works. I mean, it, it, it goes crazy sometimes. I've, I've sat up in bed before and realized, you know, I need Puddle Gum to come stick his foot in the fire here because this is, you know, 
thought I was just at work today. Now the world is suddenly ending. You know what I mean? I, you know, we're all going to be dead in the morning, and it's impossible to get here from there. I mean, the things that just compound in your mind. Spending time with your own thoughts is not a healthy thing. Spending time with saying, Lord, I would like to have your mind. I'd like to have the mind of Christ. There's peace at the end of that road. There's, there is hope at the end of that road. You know, there, there is no peace. If you notice what gets robbed the first, this world has a lot of anxiety to offer. That is, there is a heavy, heavy dish out of anxiety to, to make it, to make it, to, you know. It's incredible. So back to Romans 12. This is, we know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And he calls this just a reasonable service, like it should be. This is, this is the reasonable service. And here's where, is where the rubber meets the road right away. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, if you were to strike out tomorrow morning not to be conformed to this world, it is just about completely impossible. I mean, it is, we're, we're in it, we're, it's around us, we're dealing with it, you know what I mean? Like, really, I'd like to say there's nothing of my heart that is conformed to this world. I mean, that's where I'm going. And then I realize, man, I'm entangled. You know, this is, this world is an entangling place. If you're just alive and breathing and walking around and making calls on your phone and trying to get work, work done and you're entangled to a certain extent that you have to work to not be entangled with. It is, you know, can anybody just say, no, nope, there's nothing, there's no part of you that is conformed to this world. I mean, that, that is where we have to go. But I know that it has too much effect on my heart when I realize the war that I have to lay down my life. You know, it should be straightforward. It should be, I know what needs to happen. And there's no, as Brother Bill said, there's no getting up and snatching myself as hard as I can. What there has to be is there has to be a committed asking the Lord, staying on the Lord to say, Lord, if you don't complete this work, if you don't do what needs to be done today for me, this, this is the presenting that I see, is that you acknowledge the impossibility, but you don't quit. If you, if you look at the impossibility of laying down your life and you just walk away from it, that's the... The help is that you bring yourself back before the Lord. And um, I was thinking about this environment because it's been a lot of talk about this environment. And, it's, and really, we have an amazing environment. We, um, it's very easy to find yourself uh, like, like the older brother in the Prodigal Son series. Having been right all along where, where, and working with the Father, being a part of the Father's plan, being an owner there. And to really miss the incredible blessing of the environment the Lord puts you in. The enemy does such an amazing job of working on the have not and would like and all this other crap that comes up. That you literally can be living in the paradise of a greenhouse for God to grow you up. It's possible to be blind to the help that the Lord has for you every day. Given consideration to the other things. This is what I mean about being conformed to the world. Because... This, if you are open to the mentality of what that is, there's always more to be had for me. There's, there's, there's a constant opportunity for aggrandizing. There, there's no end to that. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you talk to Musk, 
Is there any end to the, you know, where does it go, you know? I'd be happy at a million. I'd be happy at five million, you know? I was reading about, you know, the uh, percentage of lottery winners um, that, that earn massive amounts of money and the condition of their family like six months or ten months later. It's completely insane, you know? If you were to step back and give somebody two million dollars, life should be good for a long time if you just are a little bit wise, right? But they do crazy things. There was a family in Minnesota like a, a no-name no family, they were farmers, and somehow, I don't even remember if the guy bought his own ticket, but he got a ticket, and this family won, a, 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 I forget it was Missouri, or, or I think it was Missouri, anyway, might have been Minnesota, but he lived in a little town, made a, and they, did, they got together after this, and they realized, he, this, they had a little article on the fact, he said, I got my family, I told them, this really ruins most people. I want you all to know that what has just happened to us, what are we gonna do about this? Because as the odds go, once you become millionaires, out of nothing, just giving it to you. And they determined to systematically start giving donations to things in the school and different places in this um, town. Wild story, I mean, this is not like a fairy tale, this actually happened. And they started donating to, to people, you know, college funds, they did a ton of the school, they upgraded the, um, the utilities in the town. Um, anyway, and they, and they got some counsel as to how to manage this properly. Very, very smart thing to do. Anyway, this, this was like a report from five years when they, then they, when they won their money. Um, and, they were, and they said that the, the miracle was this family was still happy. <laughs> I thought that was just so funny. You know, of the few people that are happy after winning hundreds of millions, this family was giving away their money and they were happy. Um, there's a principle in that. But uh, the fact is, um, the enemy does a very good job of trying to persuade us that if we reach harder for ourselves, if we... Uh, you know, work harder, think harder, do, you know, that we are going to be more happy. And the fact of the matter is that there is, you know, that's why it says to win your life and lose your life. I mean, it, there is no, there's no winning when that happens. Um, Revelation 12. I have been, um, <clears throat> people in the office, I've told a couple of these stories and my kids know, but I've been uh, running through a little documentary on the mountain men of America I have to touch on a little piece of, of hilarious history at the time, but um, uh, I've just been challenged by these guys that have been through just incredible hardships um, and still uh, survived. But uh, the original mountain man, uh, John Coulter, was considered the first of the great mountain men, and, and uh, he was with Lewis and Clark. He was the guy that went ahead of Lewis and Clark to, like, get wildlife and hang on a tree so that there was meat for the party coming behind, running out totally by himself. Just an incredible, incredible guy. Um, and uh, just an, an incredible sense of navigation, of just being able to walk up, look at peaks and get down on, off the mountain. You know, most humans just get lost pretty quickly. Guys that have the ability to keep a map in their head of terrain, once they get down off the hill and know where they're going, find passes. Anyway, um, and after, after coming back from the Lewis and Clark expedition, instead of going back to Washington for the big party, he decided to, to continue on. And, and this is when um, the beaver industry was going uh, crazy. Um, and Elliot knows how exciting the beaver industry can be. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was the big money. And these guys, they were uh, the, the, the farther up the Missouri you went and the deeper you got into Indian territory, which was more dangerous, of course, there was more beavers, right? So there was this constant game of the bravest mountain men going out into these, you know, the Three Forks um, at the top of the river there was pretty much where no man dared to go because it was just, the Indians literally would, would you know, 
scout out any, any trappers coming to this area. Anyway, he got with another guy uh, called Mike Potts, who was also uh, one of the guides on the Lewis and Clark expedition. They were kind of two of the most uh, solo brave men, and they, and they convinced themselves that they were both good enough, and they were savvy enough, and they were brave enough, and they were smart enough to go trap Three Forks if they did all their work at night and survive the summer. So they went up and they, they went there during the night, they set up these camps in dense areas, and they only trapped, they set traps at night, got them in the morning before it was light, staying low. Anyway, they were there for like a month and this guy Potts got really tired of working in the dark and he kept trying to persuade John Coulter to get out in the light and, you know, let's just be real men and do this. And he kept saying, you know, the minute you do that, the Indians are gonna find us. They'd had a number of post calls with the Blackfeet. Anyway, finally, at, toward the end of the summer, he persuaded him to go exploring one afternoon. It seemed quiet. They went down the river and sure enough, ran into about a dozen Blackfeet Indians. And John Coulter had uh, knew the Indians, quite amazingly, had a sign language that all of the tribes knew. This is brilliant to me. Like, there was a sign language that if you didn't speak their language, that to me, it's like, is 2022, if you drop me off in China, I wouldn't have a clue what sign language to, you know, I mean, eat, I don't know, you know. No, I don't, we'd, we'd, we'd be all mixed up. But like, the Indians, well ahead of everybody, had a language that all the tribes could speak, and he had learned that so he could communicate. You got like, when a guy's got a bow and arrow pulled up, you gotta be really accurate with your language, you know? You know? It's, it's one of the, yeah. Lewis ended up saying one of the wrong words one time, Lewis, Lewis and Clark. But anyway, they, he, say, he tells them right away, he said, we're totally outnumbered, paddle the shore. And this guy's like, we can take him, you know? The guy pots in the back of the canoe. And he's like, no, we can't. And he immediately starts signing, you know, I come in peace, I have gifts. This is the first thing that you do with the Indians. I come in peace, I have gifts. And he's telling him this over and over. And his buddy is back paddling. He's trying to paddle the shore just to surrender. So he gets out of the canoe and his buddy is back paddling. I come in peace, you know, I have gifts. And he's walking in and all of a sudden the shot rings out from behind him. You know, his buddy decides to solo take on. And he said, instantaneously, Mr. Potts was riddled. The exact words were riddled with arrows. Um, and he died, fell into the stream. Anyway, they take... They take him to the, um, we're talking about saving your life, right? This, this is the part of the story we're getting to. They take him to the village, and, they, and they, he's working with, and he thinks they're going to work with him, and all of a sudden he realizes, no, they are not working with me, they're going to kill me. But they're having a big argument, and he can't figure it out. Anyway, they start going getting these young braves. They bring 12 young braves, and he realizes he's heard about this, but he's going to get to run the gauntlet for his life. They take all of his clothes off, and they describe to him he's going to get a little bit of a head start. And they're in this, you know, the prairie that they're in is full of these, um, they call them nettle cactus, there's a word for it, but anyway, you know, known for ripping, you know, hide clothing apart. But, so he's going to die from running, there. nobody escapes this. Anyway, he was at the prime of his life, very, very in shape. And they, and they ask him, before this, I forgot to mention, they ask him if he was a good runner. And he had by this time kind of put together what was going to happen to him. So he signed to them that he was very slow. Because he was like, figure this is my, <laughs> this is my only way out. He told them, slow runner, slow runner. He, Anyway, so they, yes, yes, it's all good. So anyway, they give him a head start and there's 12 of the youngest, fastest, you know, braves running after him. Anyway, they run for like five miles. He is, he is shredding his feet up to his knees. He's just, and he gets a bloody nose running and he, and he is turning around trying to see, he, the Indians start dropping off. He was happened to be a very fast runner, but he's literally totally naked, shredding his body, running, running for his life. And um, this is kind of crazy anyway. He turns around and he's got one, this one brave, this one Olympian, has got his spear and he's still on him. So he realizes, I'm just gonna take my eyes, turn around. And he turns around and he's, and he's got blood running down his face and the brave is kind of thrown for a second. 
and he, and he, but he kind of comes back to what he's doing, and he grabs a spear, and he throws at him, he misses, and so he attacks this brave, and kills him with his spear, and grabs this brave as wearing his little blanket, and he can hear the, the rest of the Indians catching up, and so he keeps on running with his brave's blanket. This is, this, this is not, this is not a fairy tale, this is real. And he comes to the, the, he comes back around to the river, finally, and he gets in the river, and he starts going downstream, and he finds a beaver hut, and he crawls inside this beaver hut, and he waits and he waits, and these guys are all around him. They actually find the beaver hut. They're spearing their spears through this beaver hut. He says, numerous times past my head, you know. Anyway, he's, and they finally give up and, and uh, you know, run away, but he lives to tell the tale. That is the point, point. and he waits, he waits till like midnight when he's nearly hypothermic, and he comes out of this, and then he hikes 11 days back to the trading uh, station where, and finds his way back, arriving with nothing but this native's blanket. And uh, you know, shredded, just totally shredded. Uh, and they said they, they couldn't even recognize who he was. But my point is that it is amazing. I, all I could think about is that what man will do to stay alive and save his life. I mean, you know, this, there's few humans that can run that hard, run that fast. You know, there's nobody else known to go run through this particular gauntlet with the Indians and survive. But John Coulter made it. But these guys did incredible things. When your life is on the line, you do some incredible things to save your skin. I mean, this is just built in, you know. And I haven't had any Indians chase me, even with all my clothes on, thankfully. None of that's happened. Um, but, uh, but I have had um, plenty of opportunity where uh, I knew what the Lord was after. And the choice to actually submit, to actually yield, um, really was about that real. It, does, it doesn't seem that way, but it really, when you consider the, the immense weight of just on, on the smallest thing that the Lord is after you on to yield to that. There is so much help and there is so much blessing that comes from yielding to that purpose. And that is what is not available in this world. Everything about this world, this is why it is not good to be found dwelling on the earth. Because everything that is of this earth is to take up your life. And I simply believe more than ever in the most Simple, understandable ways. The choice that lies before us here at Wistone, wherever, is really whether we're going to take up our life and just, they're just, I'd like my freedom. I'd like to do what I'd like to do. I'd like to go where I'd like to go. These are just simple things. I'm just going to say them out because it just seems so simple. But we all understand that. That is what, to stay here submitted to what the Lord has for you. Wherever, not here, but wherever, to stay submitted to what the Lord has for you. It is so critical to not... Jump off that ship. What does that ship look like? Well, it's different for each one of us. It may not be here, this physical here. But it sure is not just doing what I want to do. It sure is saying, Lord, I am purposefully today, this week, I'm yielding my direction. I'm yielding my intention. I'm yielding my thoughts. I'm yielding my comments to what you have for me so that there can be a fruit coming out of me that is of your life. The fruit of our own life is, it is not great fruit. If you think about the fruit of just your own thoughts, of your own comments, of your own things, the fruit of the end of all that, it always just brings death. I mean, we all know what that brings. But we have a choice. And um, this is just said so well here. What verse is this? I just, it's one verse here in verse 12. Therefore rejoice. We are in Revelation 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, 
because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. The earth is not a good place to be dwelling right now. And it is almost, um, it seems almost impossible. I mean, it, let me rephrase. It is absolutely impossible to not wake up and be dwelling, just naturally dwelling on the earth. Unless you say, Lord, today, I want to take hold of what, what it is that you have for me to just take a different path than natural, my natural man would take. Because today I'm just going to do what I was naturally going to do. I'm just going to be just like it was from the very beginning of the garden. I'm going to go about the day just making myself better, just saving my life, avoiding sacrifice. Simply simple things. I do not want to miss what you have for me. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And um, I was thinking again, coming back to, to where the Lord has us. It is worth considering... The environment. I really believe that the Lord doesn't just happenstance grow people up in a place with a family, with an environment, just happenstance. I believe that he surrounds you and me with just the people we need. And it is amazing what the enemy does to bring up the simplest little things that can divide this family. That, are, that become massive because the enemy is working at division. That... that, that Literally, if you were to step back and run it, if we were to run into each other in the middle of New York, you would be, um, if you know, if you didn't know, if I ran into Amanda or Linda or Kevin and I started talking to them about what they believed, about what the Lord had revealed to them, I would be like, I've just found a person of like faith. I can't even believe this. There were, there, you know, the bond. We're surrounded right here with people that have an awareness of where the Lord wants to take us as a body. This is a, this is a rare thing in the world right now. We're surrounded by this. We must take advantage of that. This is what I want to say. Don't just let it, you know, dry out to, to a survival of infrastructure. It is so easy just for the enemy just to minimize the purpose and the value of what we have around us. When you step back and you look at this body, the body is to make increase of itself, right? When you look at this body, you look around and you... It's good to occasionally do so. When all of us are simply just in our place, serving in the thing that the Lord's given us to do, saying, this is just simple things, yielding yourself to the Lord to be used as a vessel today, to be thinking of others, to say an encouraging thing. The body is an amazing mechanism of making increase of itself. This is what it means to be, when you lay down your life, that you can take it up again. This is the principle of eternal life. It just, it works on the level. Yes, I believe that it's coming on a totally different level. We're going to have new bodies and all that. But we can have the opportunity of being blessed by the provision of the life of Christ that is with each one of us around us. That seed is there. That seed is there. And boy, do we need it. It is, we, we cannot miss what the Lord has. And I'm just amazed every once in a while when I bump into, you know, again, simple things. It can be the kitchen going the extra mile on a meal. Uh, I don't know, it can, be, it can be what we saw in music with the teachers that worked with each of those students. We just come and sit down, we reap the reward of incredible hours that go into the training. There is a blessing of life that should be, uh, again, an eternal, you know, eternal fountain, right? When this family, when we just are yielded, when we're yielded and considering others, it makes increase of itself. That is what, that's what happens. That's, that is the principle of how this works. And it's, it just is... It's worth it to stop and consider. I sometimes in the office, I get to work with two amazing Keller people with Angela, Nathan, Ben. And we're just, when you think about who you're surrounded with, you get to be with. That, that, 
and you think about what divisions can pop up. It's like, how did I get there? You know why? Because the enemy is at work to destroy, to tear down, to stop all the time. He's not giving rest. We must engage. And, and this is why. If you're looking to take for yourself, there's going to be all the help in the world from the enemy to realize, man, all these things, and be having all these things, instead of, Lord, thank you for putting me in a place where I have the support of all of this around me, of people giving of their lives, of people that are blessed with the same vision that get to see this. I am really coming to a close. We are, we are coming to understand that, um, that God is... Uh, at work to reveal to us our own incapacity, but also to reveal to us that in the smallest ways, when you can lay your life down, there is so much help. I'm going to read one last verse here. I told you this would be short. This is just hot off the press. <clears throat> okay, that's the wrong scripture. This is in Psalms. Uh, you don't need to. This is Psalm 116. But it says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In the smallest ways uh, that really simply come to quieting your thoughts and quieting your heart. With whatever's happening this week, with whatever's unresolved, with whatever physical or mental or, you know, misunderstood thing is happening. Uh, if we can quiet our hearts and simply say, Lord, I don't understand what I'm in the middle of. I don't understand why that was said to me. I understand this or that. But I, I know this. I know that I belong to you. And I know that you're going to take me home if I hold this course. I simply want to give control of my life into your hands. I simply don't want to just be running with my own thoughts, with my own way, with my own will. Lord, today, once again, move upon me to show me how to do that. Move upon me to not be discouraged to meet you on the same thing that I've been asking hundreds of times for. Help me, Lord, to have the strength just to come before you to seek you today. To ask you for the same thing again. Help me, Lord, to let go of whatever thought has been robbing me of peace in my heart that I have about whatever situation it is. This is the, this is the actuality of laying down your life. It, it, we don't have lions coming after us. We don't have Indians chasing us. We're not being nailed on physical crosses right now. But there is, there is so much value to yield yourself, to offer yourself to the process that God has you in. To recognize that there is... Every bit of help right here surrounding you, the environment that you're in, that the Lord has it designed for you. You know what John Cheever said that I just listened to that was from five years ago? He said that, and you've heard this, but he said the work of redemption was not a reaction on God's part to the trouble that man found himself in. The work of redemption was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You know what that means? It means that you and me came after that. What that means is that you and me were designed, every problem that we have was designed, and before that, the work of redemption was 100% capable of overcoming all of those shortfallings. The work of redemption was actually designed personally for you and me to be able to 
raise us up from the death that we find ourselves in. God knew the trouble that we would find ourselves in. God knows that we're going to just grab for ourselves. God knows that we're going to try to do it until we fail and fail and fail. And the work of redemption, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, is of so much greater capacity to take you and me home. It's inexhaustible. You can't run beyond the capacity of the work of the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Don't minimize the help that we have. The, the, don't minimize how precious God sees your little way of dying every day. It's precious in sight. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> the important thing, and this is really a, a word for us, for you, that um, it, it seems a great incongruity that we're not our own. And with that, you have the liberty to sit to not move, to yawn, to sleep it off, to, to wait it out. And God's good enough to let you even do that. But, uh, but the issue is his desire and his direction is that we might know him. And knowing him, the richness of what that is, is a possibility if we ask him for that kind of a knowing. I just thought we, this is a very vital word for us. I was just sitting there thinking how good it is to come home and to, to, to sit here and, and hear a cutting edge word. You know, not you know, some uh, cooked up situation. And the, the, the fact that this is uh, uh, right to the core because we like to think I'm my own. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And as I, as I think I said this morning, the, the order, the direction, certainly some of the younger children uh, need that direction. But anybody that's connected to the Spirit of God and is saying, God, I want to love you more than I love my own life. And I want to lay down my life for that. Uh, does anybody know that song? I'm not my own. I'm yours. Do you know it? Where's uh, Becky? Do you know it? All right. Who can sing it? I don't want to ruin a nice night here by doing it myself. Is there anybody here that knows that song? Amanda? Is it in our book? All right, let's stand.
opportunity now to do some bigger business with the living God, the potter. So, clay of God, <coughs> clay of God, that's what we are. God, you've been good to us, and we've, uh, we've walked, uh, many of us, in our own way, and we haven't, we haven't a clue of the greatness of what's before us. And so, clear it up. Clear it up, at least in our heart, that we're going to offer ourselves every day knowing that we belong to you. And any, any goal, any direction, any furthering of self is so sick and dismal compared to being joint heirs of, of the king, heirs of the world. So let us know, and God, help some here to do business right now with God regarding who, who is the author, who is the finisher, who is one who can bring us to all the fullness of God except the Father himself. We ask this thing and appeal to you to do it. The impossible thing that is a painful, uh, difficult thing beyond our understanding. Please, good Father, show us and do that in us. And haunt every child that's standing before you now, this night, that we would consider that, that we belong to you, not to ourselves, for Jesus' sake. Amen.